Hey. That time of week again, it's Jahia and the Dugo. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Gumbo, uh, episode four. Like you just said, it's, uh, it's Dugo and Jah. Here to talk about fantasy. Um, we got a couple things to get off our chest as Packer fans. There's been a lot going on in the news and the media that we feel we need to provide the world with our opinions on on our platform yeah so just to start out t's and p's all the packer fans out there just going through all the drama um i know not everyone is handling it as uh, well as myself i know a lot of people are broken over uh aaron wanting to take time to make this uh really harsh decision i understand that it is a hard decision you know like i don't know like i give him all the all the time in the world obviously uh it sounds like him and gutenkunz are on the same page as having this done by at least march 8th hopefully because because they want to obviously they need to be able to tag uh tay or uh devante adams if need be um, so they know that basically March 8th, that's the deadline basically for this decision almost. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, like, I know, like, it, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. I know that regardless, I think that we are going to be in a good place. Um, obviously the Green Bay Packers have always focused the quarterback. And so without like a top tier quarterback that we don't know about quite yet, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see where it goes. I mean, we do have two really, really good running backs in the backfield with AJ uh, Dylan and Aaron Jones. Let me ask you something here, Jahia. Let's say the inevitable does happen. Uh, Aaron Rodgers does ultimately say he wants to retire, and or what say? Let's say he wants to get a trade. What? Let's say that his uh, his fiance. Um, you know, maybe maybe they don't call it quits. Maybe they do want to get married, but she doesn't want to live in Green Bay. She'd rather live in Denver or something. You know, so like, what if they do that and they trade them to Denver for like two firsts, whatever. But anyways, back to what I was saying, uh, you have those two really good running backs, AJ Dillon, uh, and Aaron Jones. Who do you think would be more productive in a, uh, end of Rogers era type of, uh, Packers system? I think AJ Dillon would be because AJ... The way I see A.J. Dillon is he's the closest profile to Derrick Henry, who Matt LaFleur was the offensive coordinator for down in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So Matt's a big, you know, run the ball kind of guy. Bruiser running back, yeah. Yeah, so that's a lot of the reason why they took Dillon, I think, in the second round. Mm-hmm. Dillon is going to enter his third year, so that's a lot of the times when we see breakouts with rookies. Right. And so next year, regardless of if Rodgers is there or not, give me A.J. Dillon over Aaron Jones. For sure. Yeah, I mean, he's definitely taking that stride this year, and I know there's a lot of analysts already projecting that it's going to be uh, A.J. Dillon's back, or, uh, backfield and Aaron Jones is going to be playing second fiddle, which, I mean, who really ever thought that was going to happen? I mean, I'm not going to lie, folks. When they first drafted A.J. Dillon, I mean, I just saw a big running back. I didn't think he was going to be like all this. Everyone hated that pick. Yeah, I mean, and it was right after the Jordan Love pick, too. You're like, oh, like, there's so many other wide receivers on the board. You know, maybe they just thought, hey, take this guy. Yeah. Get Rodgers' uh, target in the second, and they uh, they didn't. People clowned the A.J. Dillon pick just as much as they clowned the Jordan Love pick. You know, I, I give people every right at this point to say, to, to hate on the Jordan Love pick, but I, I can't hate on the A.J. Fair. Dillon pick. Yeah. Pick anymore i can't yeah like he's definitely showing his value i mean in the second year he had over a thousand yards mm-hmm. in all purpose yards uh he had countless touchdowns really he's proven to be like a really big bruiser back in back-to-back years i mean do you remember his game last year uh not like this past year but the year before against the titans when he get, went for like 128 and like two tutties you think that was a coincidence I don't know, man. Like, he uh, he just he went off. Like, I'm not sure if the 128 is for sure the yardage he went for, but, like, I know it was something around that. Yep. But, like, he, he went off that game, and it was in the snow. I remember that game. Like, it was a really, like, prove it game for the Packers that year. Um, And A.J. Dillon was a big part of that win. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I really like him as well. For Packers next year, I'm really big on A.J. Dillon. I wouldn't mind having Aaron Jones, so don't freak out, freak out if you're an Aaron Jones owner. Mm-hmm. I think he still profiles as a low-end RB1, RB2. 
However, I think that Dylan is going to get even more reps. He was productive with the ones he got last year. I think that if the offense starts to evolve, Mm -hmm. especially with, you know, who they could potentially take at receiver, Mm -hmm. I believe that he's going to have a lot more running lanes available if they can get an actual threat on the outside of Devontae. Definitely. Definitely. Um, Another question for you, Jahaya. I will – I don't know. I'm a little, like, it ends with this – what do you think happens with Devontae? Like, do you think we tag him? I think he's going to get – and. no, I no, think go ahead, go ahead. I think he's going to get tagged this year, mm-hmm. and then I think we'll resign him to a deal next year. I think we'll get him for somewhat of a discount, but I believe that just even for business, like his brand is most valuable as a Packer. If you're a Packer for life, what uh, what and ultimately what ultimately happens to Aaron Rodgers then? I think Aaron Rodgers has to take a pay cut. That's fair. Um, do you think that he knows that, or how yeah. do you think how do you think the Packers organization is gonna? Make it look like a pay cut on the books, but still make sure that Aaron Rodgers gets paid. Because, I mean, obviously they need to pay Aaron. They need to show him monetarily. You just push him. You maybe give Aaron a two-year deal, which is basically a two-year extension. He's with you for the next three years, and you back his money up until the third year. Mm -hmm. And maybe he takes somewhat of a discount when you sign that two-year extension. So instead of paying him $40 million, you pay him like 30 Yeah. And that gives the Packers more room to go get you players so you can make a Super Bowl run in these last years of your Mm -hmm. career. I mean, he's made a shit ton of money. He definitely has, yeah. And I mean, like, the State Farm commercials don't hurt. Yeah, my man has, yeah, he's rich as fuck. (laughs) I mean, he has the Adidas. He's good. He has Adidas on him now. Like, it's, yeah, he's... He's at that point to where taking maybe 10 mil less would actually be better for his tax bracket. (laughs) That's a good point. Aaron, if you're listening to this, man, if you need some financial help, man, let me know. I can help you out. There you go. Hey. There you go. Um... But you know, man, I don't know what what's going on with that. I think I think they re-sign him for sure. But then looms the question of, I mean, let's not kick the can down the road anymore. What happens to Jay Love? You think we trade him? You think we just keep him back there and we just say, hey, thanks for being our backup for the last four years. It was good well, having you. I think with Jordan Love, he's gonna stay around until the end of his rookie deal, regardless. You think so at this point? I don't think that you can trade a first round asset. You've seen him play maybe one game. A lot of the Jordan Love shit isn't his fault either because I do see some upside. I mean, the, he he obviously has the talent and has an amazing arm and has, you know, a lot of power. But accuracy is a little, you know, like... That's, yeah. It, it, it has to work up to that NFL level, but it's good. Mm-hmm. With Jordan Love, I think that the Packers would take a bigger hit if he gets traded or he doesn't play. Than if they let go of Aaron Rodgers. What do you mean by that? Like I, I, take, I think I think I think they take more heat if Jordan Love doesn't play. I think they take more heat over that than if Aaron Rodgers is traded. I don't think so at all. The at this re- point, I think the reason for that is because I mean everyone has flops in the first round. That just happens. That's a routine thing for a lot of teams. So like a lot, not a lot of people are gonna be like, oh, like you flopped on a first round and you had to trade like a third. Like you fuck you 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 idiot you fucking idiot. But here's like the- I'm sorry like I just don't see that like if you let go of a generational quarterback, I think that's what people are gonna be laughing at you for. Who's just how can Love improve when in the last two years he gets no reps with the starters, he gets no first team reps in training camp. What do you what do you mean he just had a whole year of first round reps? When Rodgers wasn't at training camp or OTAs. Rodgers showed up by training camp. He showed up. He, he wasn't around day. for OTAs and, yeah. like, all the, like... He wasn't there for that part, right. But, like, he was also... He had two weeks of doing that while Rodgers was hurt. No, he Dude. had how many weeks of, like, the last, like, whatever... Eric. Go ahead. Eric, Love was drafted to be a starting quarterback. Yeah. You don't learn how to be a starting quarterback in four weeks. Of getting reps with the first teamers in the middle of May. You're right, but you do learn how to be a first team quarterback when your quarterback gets COVID and he can't start because he has COVID and he's yeah. he's not. And you know who uh, else? He's not vaccinated. You know who else had COVID that week? Who? Devonte, or I think Devonte was actually hurt, but essentially Jordan Love and Devonte had no practices. Mm-hmm. 
before the game. And as you can see on the field, they had no chemistry because yeah. he gets no reps with Devante other than when Aaron is hurt or mm-hmm. out for unexpected reasons or it's the beginning of April. Right. I know. I Maybe I'm a little hard on the guy, but the biggest thing that I look at is so when Rodgers had COVID, obviously he didn't practice that weekend. He didn't basically practice the rest of the year up until the playoffs almost. Yeah. Um, because of his toe injury and because of that, Jordan obviously got all those first team reps. I doubt doubt he, they gave him to Kurt, you know, like I'm assuming they gave him all to Jordan. And what I'm assuming is like the reason they're like, obviously you got to chase after Rogers, regardless of how much you trust, um, Jordan love. But, like, dude, like, they're chasing him with, like, open arms, like, needing this cat. Like, they absolutely need him, it seems like. Like, it, they don't they don't trust Jordan Love like they trusted Rodgers when they were doing the changeover with that. Yeah. Well, Rodgers, everyone knew coming in he was pretty good. Right. That's why they were comfortable with Brett doing these threats. Aaron Rodgers is essentially doing what Brett Favre did in 2005, 2006, 2007 to the Packers. But this time, he... You don't have a Hall of Famer, potentially, waiting on... Well, I mean, I, I can't say that everyone knew he was going to be a Hall of Famer and waiting behind He Barth. was a first-round pick. Yeah, but just because you He was you're projected drafted... at, the first, at the top of the first, and he fell for attitude reasons. But just because you're projected in the first in one year doesn't mean that you're going to be destined to be a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like, you look at Kurt no Warner. Kurt Warner wasn't even drafted, and he made the Hall of Fame. It doesn't matter That's where you're drafted. That's not my drafted. point. I'm just saying that Aaron Rodgers had a very well-known profile and a lot of upside coming into and out of the draft. So I'm saying that when the Packers had to switch to him off of Brett Favre, they were confident that they had somebody who showed out in college, mm-hmm. who was a first-round pick, who was projected to go at the top of the draft. He fell for attitude reasons, which is... You know, team's preferences, but in talent, everyone knew he was the best of the best. And you had him training and learning the offensive playbook for two to three years before he started. So he was comfortable with it by the time he started. So what I'm saying is, at that time, the Packers had a lot more level of comfort. Rodgers realizes that Jordan Love maybe isn't to where he is. he was. And I think that Jordan Love could get there. And I think that he could be a, at minimum, serviceable quarterback. I think he's a cool dude. Showed a lot of potential. Obviously, he needs some work. But if you think about the full season for a rookie quarterback, they grow by the week. Right. They grow by the game. So you're looking at a Mac Jones. You're looking at a Justin Fields. Those guys, game by game, learn more and more and more and more. Mm -hmm. By the end of the year, Mac Jones was one of the best quarterbacks in the AFC. Because he, he started off well. He got off to a good start. But he had the ability to absorb more real time information. Instead of him like studying from a book, he was in the shit. So Jordan Love isn't getting that opportunity, let alone reps and practice with the first team, with the best of the best. So he doesn't know how they twitch. He doesn't know how they cut. He doesn't know how they move. And then you throw him to the wolves, essentially, when Rodgers gets hurt. There's no, you know, precursor, no pre-warning. Right. And then my man is expected to expect Devontae Adams to turn a back shoulder 10 yards into a post route. Yeah, well, and I understand, like, obviously in his first route, that's not going to work. But all I'm getting at, all I am personally saying is in the grand scheme of things, when he had these last six weeks of practice, all I'm saying is, like, something obviously is clinking in Gunakunz's and in LaFleur's head that maybe the, this guy isn't going to pan out. Or maybe that's why they brought in this Tom Clements guy that obviously, uh, not obviously, but that Aaron Rodgers uh, learned under the first like four years of his career, which I think is a really good uh, move. I mean, Rodgers absolutely loves his quarterback coach. He said that they uh, instilled the three uh, moral principles of the quarterback. I'm blanking on all of them, but I remember like one was like never throw uh, late in the middle. Um... You know, like, and so so on and so forth. You know, like, quarterback yeah. stuff. I don't have that stuff off the top of my head. I was a lineman. Um, but, you know, like, just, like, I don't know, like, the little things. And, like, the reason, like, Rodgers has so much, like, uh, I don't know, like, he's just grateful for those. And, I, and I'm assuming he learned from those principles. Like, we hardly ever see Rodgers throw late in the middle, making interceptions. Like, you know, like, this guy never has, like, 
a double-digit interception year. The guy's immaculate. So I don't know, man. Like I really, I I uh I like the I like the hire. We'll see what happens with it. Maybe Jordan Love learns a thing or two if uh if he's under or if he's with the Packers next year if they don't trade him for some peanuts or something this this yeah, offseason. That situation's so interesting. Yeah, man. Um. Well, okay. Off the Packers and into the draft. There's a couple of receivers come. It's a really receiver heavy draft, especially. You know, for fantasy players, but for the NFL in general. Sure is, man. Yeah. Who do you want to hit on first this week? So, one of the guys I wanted to talk about was uh, Kyle Phillips. Really? Okay. Yeah. This guy. I know you're a big fan. I honestly, I'm starting to become more and more of a fan every time I watch his film. He, uh, I don't know, like, I was, I was really big on Hunter Renfro coming out of Clemson, and this guy kind of gives me the same vibes, like, as, like, an agile route runner really just sticks to the route book. You know, he can't really get a bunch of separation from his speed, but what he can do is he can make shifty cuts and, you know, he has enough speed to at least get away from people. Yeah. Um, or at least linebackers, safeties, probably not like a, like a four or three cornerback or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. But you know, like he can, he can create some mismatches in the slot. So I really like this kid. I think in fantasy perspective, um, you're probably not going to want him this year, I'm assuming, in redraft. But um, when it comes to uh, Dynasty, though, I think kind of like how Renfro progressed throughout his career where, like, his rookie year he saw, like, probably, like, 30 catches or something, and then just so on and so forth. I mean, he's became uh, Derek Carr's favorite wide receiver. And I don't mm-hmm. know. I just uh, – I think this guy could probably see, like, the same career trajectory. Uh, Hunter Renfro, I believe, was like a sixth-round pick or something out of Clemson, so probably... He's underrated, yeah. Yeah, I would say probably see this guy probably around like the fifth or sixth round, honestly, as well. But, like I said, I think in Dynasty, I think that's I think that that's where you can kind of value this guy around like the fifth round or something. Like, I think you should get this guy if you can. Uh, I think he has some upside uh, down the road for sure. Okay, fair enough. Um, I mean, what what do you, what are your thoughts on Kyle from what you've seen from him so far? I so I, I absolutely love him. If I had to compare him to something, I mean, he he kind of even looks physically like Hunter Renfro. Sure does. Like he's got the Hunter Renfro lineup. Mm-hmm. My man got the yeah. That's that's Hunter Renfro two Yeah, man. But he's I mean he's five eleven. He's one ninety. He's a He's a shifty guy. He seems like, you know, he has some decent pickup speed. Mm-hmm. He doesn't seem super fast for the league, no. so he's going to have to be immaculate on his route runs. Yeah. And I don't know if I can expect that out of the gate. For sure. No, not out of the gate for sure. I don't think so. In fantasy leagues, I think he goes probably towards the fifth round maybe. Yeah, honestly, he might go undrafted in Dynasty. Yeah. But, I mean, I think once he finds his spot, I don't know. Like, maybe, I don't know, man. Like, I, I like I said, like, well, I haven't said this before, but I wasn't in our Dynasty League when Hunter Renfro was uh in the league <laughs> or getting drafted. So, I'm not sure, like, how you guys felt of him then. I can't really say what I would have felt of him when he was coming I out mean, of the draft. Cooper but, Cup won really early, too. That's fair. I guess I don't know, man. Like I, I guess I don't really know what the value was of him in Dynasty that year. For sure. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's gonna be as high as like a Garrett Wilson. No, absolutely not. Uh, but that's great that you bring him up. I think he's an absolute stud. Um, how far do you? How I'm sorry. How high do you think he goes in Dynasty? And how how high would you take him in redraft? Dude, he's the best receiver coming into the draft. So he's like the Jamar Chase of this draft, yeah. basically. Okay. Yeah, he's gonna work no matter where he goes. Mm-hmm. He's projected in a couple mock drafts to go to either the Jets. Have, I believe the Jets have the tenth pick of the draft, mm-hmm. so first round, or the Browns at thirteen. For sure. Now the Browns really need a wide receiver one. They definitely. Yeah. And Garrett Wilson happened to play for the Buckeyes, mm-hmm. so he's from Ohio. Great marketing. He's kind of built into the fan base already. Somewhat, the fan base is gonna. They know. They they know who he is. So I think that the Browns would take him if he's available at 13. Mm-hmm. But he's going to be the best receiver in the draft. I mean, 
he played for Ohio State. He was obviously the standout receiver there in a program where you're already playing against the best of the best every day in practice. Right. Garrett can do it all. Like he has a he has great hands, so he can catch most balls. He's aware of his surroundings. He toe taps mm-hmm. like any second of none. He is one of those prospects to where I, if I had the one one or the one two, mm-hmm. you'd think about it. I would. I would probably pop on it. Really? I like, think so. are, wait, are you talking about like in Dynasty? Or are you talking Dynasty. about Dynasty? Like, okay. In Dynasty, if Garrett Wilson was available at the one 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 two, I'd probably do it. Be just. You always feel better with those kind of picks when it's somebody mm-hmm. that you believed in from the rip. For sure. So that's an emotional decision. Yeah. But Garrett Wilson, I mean, he has a pretty decent profile. He's six feet tall, 190. He played against top-end competition, and he was amongst the best of the best. Yeah. He's one of those players to where I don't think you can really go wrong. He's going to work in any system that he, you know, goes into. Mm-hmm. And if I'm thinking about just where he ranks amongst this receiver class, even though it's a deeper class, he possesses the most, he's going to have the most opportunity because of his draft capital, but because of his talent, he's going to be the closest thing to Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase, who, you know, were the standout receivers from the previous two draft classes. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, there's not much really I can add to that. I think you kind of nailed it on the head. I mean, he definitely looks like the best prospect, uh, as far as, you know, just all, like, the characteristics you can look at as far as just getting separation, route running. Um, it looks like he's a pretty solid blocker, too. It doesn't look like he shies away. No. Um, no. I don't know. Like, to be honest, when I was watching um, college football throughout, like, the season, I honestly thought that Chris Olave was always the number one receiver on the Buckeyes. And then I always, like, saw, like, this Garrett Wilson pop out. I was just like, huh, it'd be cool if the Packers would draft him. <laughs> but, like, now, like, everyone's looking at, like, Garrett Wilson going, like, top end first round. It's like, shoot, man, like, maybe this guy is more special. But I don't know. Like, I always thought that uh, Garrett Wilson was better. And they always flexed on uh, Chris Olave, it seems like, during, like, the telecast. <laughs> Honestly, man, like, they were always pumping this guy up. And, like, it was because he was just burning down the field and, um... Yeah. He was probably more exciting. Yeah, honestly. But, like, I don't know, man. But let's talk about someone who, or I'm sorry, let's talk about two people that oh. I am honestly really, really oh. excited about. Um, So these two people, they're okay. basically the tandem coming out of uh, the University of Georgia. They're Georgia. the running back tandem. And Zamir White and James Cook. Um, James Cook, I believe he's, like, the brother or the cousin of Delvin Cook. So, you know, you got some bloodline in there. You know, yeah. you got a running back family there. Um, they both play for Georgia. Yeah, man. And you have uh, Zamir White as well. Uh, he's been proven to be a really good running back in that system. Um, tell me about what you kind of think about these cats. Um, from the film that you've seen, tell me a little bit of your outlook on them. Uh, I'm really excited to hear about this. So, I kinda, I'm kind of i going to have somewhat of a hot take. So, you know, take it how you want to take it, but... When I look at Zamir and when I look at James, I really see a, James Cook is Dalvin Cook's brother. Mm-hmm. He's coming into the NFL. Just me probably thinking way too deep into it. He has somebody who has NFL experience. They can train him on how to work out. They grew up essentially playing the game together. So he's going to come into the league with a couple more advantages. He's going to have a better agent. He's going to have a better training regimen. He's going to understand what he needs to do from the rip if he wants to have success. James Cook, as a runner, is probably nothing too crazy. Like, he's a good change of pace back in an NFL committee. But his catching is elite. And when I say elite, I mean the best of the best. This man catches just as well as Dalvin Cook does, if not better. And because of that, he's going to have the versatility to play in the backfield as a receiving back. Mm -hmm. You can throw him in the slot as an extra option on an audible. You can put him out wide if you just want to take a DB from outside the box. And so he's one of those backs to where he's going to adjust into the NFL, I think, better. Interesting. Interesting. Because he's obviously familiar with being in a committee. With that familiarity, you understand how to get into those rhythms within, you know, like a burst, mm-hmm. kind of. Um, you don't need 20 to 25 reps to get hot and get that one breakaway run. Sure. You know how to come in and out of that. But also, he played against top-end competition. 
they won the national championship last year. Georgia did mm-hmm. with these two guys leading the leading the field, and you know Zamir White's another good back. He's kind of more the all around guy, I'd say. He's probably the better runner. I think. Yeah, like the actual running back, but like if you want to utilize this guy in like other positions, yeah, um, just stuff like that. I I definitely understand what you're talking about between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say Zamir. I I'm not sure exactly. We haven't really looked at their forties, or at least I haven't. I think he probably clocks a little uh, faster than what he does. You know, he's he's six foot two fifteen, so. He's right in that medium spot of where you want to see those running backs at. I don't know. Like, he gives you, like, that happy medium of where he's not, like, a typical, like, 6'2", uh, 220 bruiser. But, you know, like, he packs some weight when he goes through. Like, we saw that one clip against Auburn where he just absolutely runs through that one guy. Uh, I'm not sure if he was, like, a defensive back on, like, a blitz or if he was a defensive tackle. Yeah. But, like, dude, like, he just runs through him, and then it looks like he runs through another linebacker in that same play for that touchdown. Mm-hmm. So it seems like he has a notes for the touchdown. He really likes to score. Uh, he understands that he's going to score or he's going to make money that way, so he must be a smart back. You know, that's exactly what we want to see. Yeah. Um, exactly. Another thing that I've absolutely loved about Georgia backs in the, pa- in the past is you can probably pick these guys up a little later in dynasty drafts. Um, just because you don't really see the same output that you do as like a James White or something like that. That's like yeah. a, a prototypical back. But one thing that Kirby Smart, it, t- it seems like he always uh, preaches this to his backs when he's recruiting, is that you're not going to really see a lot of uh, touches, you know, your first couple of years. You're probably going to see some during your junior year and senior year, and you're going to have to make the most out of it. But Obviously, you come in fresh to the NFL, uh, and that just makes you so much more versatile for the team that you go to where you're going to make money at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to see these two. They seem like they're still extremely fresh, not really beaten up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm excited for the draft. To, or I'm sorry, I'm, so, I'm excited for the combine so we can really see where the guys measure at. Yep. And so for you guys who may be familiar with Player Profile, Player Profiler, they're an amazing site. They do a bunch of like really specific advanced like statistics on um, players as far as, you know, their breakout age, their college dominator percentage, um, you know, some of their more specific stats. When you look at the two of them, both James Cook and Zamir White, their college dominator, the college dominator percentage for Zamir White was about 19.8%. And for James Cook, it was around 165 Anything less than... 20 to 25 says that you're probably like a late round talent. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine for fantasy drafts, he's they're probably going to be projected to go anywhere between probably nowhere in front of like the third round. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't think like, nowhere in I front think of probably fourth or fifth round picks. Yeah, I think these guys, I don't, I think they're probably going to be drafted obviously, uh, well before uh, Kyle Phillips that we just talked about. But I think these guys are definitely gonna be like some later round talent though. So like if yeah. you're if you're looking for running backs and like let's say like you are like kinda like heavy on running backs right now, but they're getting older. Yeah. And you need some people to kinda like sit on for a bit. Maybe you have like a taxi spot open. Yeah. You know, you could definitely throw one of these cats in there and just kinda see what they do for two years. I think by the second year, I think they definitely should be popping out. I wanna say something else about the college dominator too, so I kind of somewhat just explained it, but I have the actual definition here pulled up. And I'm going to explain to you why I think this is important. The college dominator rating represents a player's market share of their team's offensive production. So when you have a 19% college dominator rating, that says that you are worth probably, you know, around 19% of the offense when you are on the field. If you have something of 16, that means you're around 16%. Now, in theory, that's a good percentage. I mean, you're all... You're almost involved one out of every five plays. But with the way the college dominator rating works is obviously the higher the rating, the more responsible you are for a certain you know type of offense, the more valuable you can be. Because if you have a lion's share of the touches in college, you should hypothetically be able to do it in the NFL. Mm-hmm. A 35% or more shows that a wide receiver has the potential to be the team's number one you know receiver on the field. 20 to 35% is a mid-level talent with situational upside. So 
if the team's down and they just need to toss the ball up a lot, all that kind of stuff. Less than 20% is technically a red flag. Mm-hmm. For receivers and tight ends, the dominator rating is the percentage of the team's receiving production. Mm-hmm. And then for running backs, it's the percentage of total offensive production because running backs are involved in both the running and passing game. Mm-hmm. Now, both these players have a breakout age. Breakout age is essentially when the player becomes somewhat of a leader in their respective field. Mm-hmm. That didn't happen until either of them were essentially seniors. Right. So their committee could more so have been about talent as opposed to that's just what Kirby Smart does and that's what he preferred. I think that if you had the situation of like a like a Nick Chubb, mm-hmm. you probably would have had more of a solo back. But just from there's guys, you know, quote unquote player profiles. Mm-hmm. Neither of them kind of tally up as a person who's going to really ever be a workhorse back. For sure. And, I mean, that very well could have been, but I think that scheme that they had, it was good enough to get them into the National Championship and win the game. So, obviously, whatever they were doing was productive enough to go against a number one defense like Bama and, you know, just just do what they did all season long. So True. That's just why I'm a little high on these guys. Um, I really enjoy their offensive line, too. I think that's something what they'll be seeing more in the NFL. So, I mean, you, whatever blocking you're seeing with them in the film, yeah. that's probably what is going to be translating to the NFL. So, it's easier to watch for that type of stuff. I agree. And um, Go ahead. I was going to say, the reason I just wanted to point that out, I'm not necessarily saying they are or not mm-hmm. are not going to be great players. But the reason I like to point that out is because those are useful tools that I like to look at for running backs, especially because it's harder to project running backs when they come into the NFL as opposed Mm -hmm. to receivers. So if you guys are like me and you have that struggle of trying to find that sleeper running back, trying to find that back that you should consider taking, you know, in the first round, second round, third round, those are tools on player profiler that you can use to really help that help make that decision, I guess, more, more guided Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, it can it can come in use every once in a while. So absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, you gotta consider everything coming into the draft when you're there. It mm-hmm. has to be feel. It has to be what stats have you looked at all year while you're uh, recruiting these guys. Uh, yep. I don't know, man. Like when you're scouting these cats, they have to they have to fit what you want, and especially if you're in a dynasty, you gotta look at what holes you might have in the future, what people you want. Um, I don't know, man, but like these cats, like if you got some late round picks that you can just throw some flyers on, I think these guys are worth those for sure. If you're in a predicament like that, otherwise, if you're like Jahia with absolutely no draft capital, um, and if you need like an absolute back that needs a hit, that's hate. Maybe these, maybe these cats might not be exactly that. <laughs> but what back are you gonna hit on the fourth that is? Uh, absolute hit. I mean, other than like maybe like Elijah Mitchell or something, which Ramondre Stevenson was a late round pick. Khalil Herbert. Okay, it could uh, happen. It could happen. Y'all hating. Uh, speaking of running backs, there's a couple guys I want to talk about that are already in the league that people probably already have on their dynasty teams. And the first one is Alexander Madison. For sure, man. Yeah, he's a really good back. I like him. Uh, speaking of cooks. Uh, obviously, you have Dalvin Cook at the lead back there in Minnesota. Um, you know, honestly, I'm not going to lie. I think it's going to be more of a dual back system this year with uh, this new uh, head coach. I think he he's going to probably try to implement what they did in uh, L.A. And with that, you know, like they basically went to kind of a dual back scheme. I'm not sure if that was by choice. Or if that was just out of necessity because they weren't getting a lot of production. And obviously, Delvin Cook, he's a production master. All he does is produce. Um, But I think Evan O'Connell, he's going to find the right balance. I think he's going to want to utilize Madison because he's extremely productive when he's out on the field. So I'd be be, uh, surprised if he doesn't try to utilize him uh, more than they have in the past. Uh, I don't know what what are your upside on uh, Alexander? I think extremely he, high. Yeah, because I, here's the thing about him, and I know a few things about the Vikings, and I know right now they're about fourteen million dollars over the cap. Yeah, so they're gonna have to cut salary at some point. I know the cap, salary cap in the NFL probably isn't even real. No, they always find a way to manipulate it, but 
if you want to think about it or theorize about it, they could potentially cut Dalvin Cook. They would save, you know, like two, three million dollars a season. There's there's no way that they would but check it out. cut him. They no, would no, no, trade no. him. Check it out. Trade him. But next year, if they got him off their roster, they would save about eight million dollars. Yeah. That's like worth about two two to three players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that like next year, I mean Delvin, he's been hurt every year. I'm not sure if you want to really take another, this, like, I don't know. I think this season is extremely important for Dalvin Cook owners, and if you're a Dalvin Cook owner, I think you sell him early as opposed to selling him late. I'm not saying he's going to fall off, but the man is into his second contract now. Mm-hmm. Well into his second contract. Well into his second contract. They're paying him big money, and they're going to save $8 million if they can get him off their books next year. $8 million is pretty significant in the NFL. True, but I mean, we've been seeing that, uh, you know, running backs are getting paid more and more as it comes. I mean, Aaron Jones, obviously, he's in his second contract now. I think he signed it like two years or so ago, and I think Dalvin, I think, signed his the year before or something. Mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, like, Aaron Jones is getting paid like 10-plus, Yeah, I think, and so... I don't know. Like, I think they're kind of getting a steal with, like, an 8 mil hit still. I think Dalvin's still productive enough, and I think maybe we'll see that this season. But I think if you still have those two backs with uh, Alexander Madison, unless his contract is up, I'm not sure if it is. Madison's contract is up after this next season. Okay, so you're basically looking at which one do you want to keep at that point. And so, you know, maybe at that point they do run a dual back system and they – I think they, kinda, they they play it out like, hey, which one do we want? If you can get your hands on Alexander Madison this year, this off season, you buy him. Yeah, you buy him. However, you got to buy him. And if you can get rid of Dalvin Cook this year, it's gonna suck for the first year, and everyone in your league is gonna make fun of you for trading away Dalvin Cook after he pops off to be like the RB two, three, four, five, six, whatever it is. Yeah. But long term, you're gonna thank yourself, and you're gonna get a lot more value than you're going to get next off season. So walk me through this. If you're, if you're in the hands of the GM here, um, in dynasty, what do you trade Dalvin cook for? Multiple first, multiple first still, you think? Yeah, no doubt. Okay. And what about Alexander Madison? If you're trying to get off of him, like to try to sell him high right now, you could get him for sure with the second and potentially an early third if you package it with the player that mm-hmm. the other team could pop and pop in and use. So, and would you be would you be willing to uh, let's say you know let's say a team gets a little greedy they kind of have a feeling that Alexander Madison's going to pop too, and let's say like they have like a late round first like a one ten would you would you trade them for um, for Madison you would have to. Because at the moment, he's not the guy that you project him to be. And you can only deal with, you know, facts in the moment. Mm -hmm. So, in the moment, if you're giving me a first-rounder for Alexander Madison, I have to take that first-rounder, I feel like, because Mm -hmm. I can still get top-end talent who can produce just as long, if not longer. For sure. But what if, like, someone says, I want to scoop on him before he... You know, before he has all this value. Well, what, what if they offer you like a third and like a fourth? Like, do you think that slides? Or you like, can't do that. You're no. an idiot if you do that. Even before this off season, don't trade Alexander Madison for anything less than a second. Anything less than a second, you're dumb. He's gonna. Okay, so think about it like this. Dalvin Cook's been the man in Minnesota. Cool, whatever. Madison plays a couple games a year. All fine and dandy. My man doesn't have much mileage on his legs. Mm-hmm. I want to say he was in a committee when he played. He um, went to Boise State. I'm not sure if he was in a committee, though. I thought he yeah. was. Well, I thought he went pretty high because he wasn't in a committee. Historically, too, with his production, he seems to essentially pop out every time Dalvin Cook's not available and he's the primary running back. So some team is going to want to take him as their primary option when they give him a second contract. Now, he's set to make about a million dollars, I think, this year with the Vikings. And that's a pretty cheap deal for him. But even if he pops off this year, you could probably get him as the Vikings for less than Dalvin Cook's annual hit. Dalvin Cook is worth eight mil. You could probably get Madison for about five over a three-year deal, four-year deal. No way. With some sort of a signing bonus that 
would go away if he didn't sign one year? Not a chance. No, I don't think that Alexander Madison was signed for anything less than like eight or nine. But he doesn't have the production. Like a David Montgomery who's going into a second contract has the production to where he's going to get paid around that Joe Mixon mark. Yeah, but I mean, he hasn't been given the opportunity. And so, I mean, his agent, if he has a good agent, could stress that. But that contract would have to come within the Vikings. It wouldn't have to. It wouldn't have to, but he'd get his best contract with the Vikings. Probably, yeah. And the year that he goes into contract negotiations, Dalvin Cook is set to be a $8 million savings if you trade him. Yeah. What are you paying him? 12? I think he's making, because he signed a four-year 48 deal. Yeah. So 12, 12, he's making 12 a year. Mm-hmm. But if you cut him, you save eight. Yeah. And I don't think his contract's guaranteed that deep into the, into it. I'm not sure about that. I could be wrong. But the reason that's important is because Madison's in the system. He has less reps on his legs. He's going to well, be Well, it's a cheaper. brand new system, dude. Like, they're bringing a whole new offense with Kevin O'Connell. Like, they just brought in a whole new offense, a whole new system. There's going to be a whole new defense. So, I mean, I'm not buying the whole, uh, he's new, like, he, he knows the system. Like, he knows, like, the organization. So, like, he, he's friendly with everyone there. But they they even brought in, like, a new GM. So, I don't know, man. Like, it, it is, like, a brand new team. We'll see how it goes. I mean, if they all gel right, like, they're supposed to, great. Otherwise... Yeah. You know, maybe like maybe they start Madison because O'Connell doesn't like what Dalvin's doing. Who knows, man? Yeah, I mean, Kevin O'Connell, he was the OC with the Rams. Yeah. So coming from the Rams, I would imagine that Alexander Madison's comp would be like a Cam Akers. True. Yeah, and like they they did try to like force force feed him the ball at one. Cam point. Akers was the primary running back. Yeah, in the Super Bowl, and yeah, they just couldn't get anything out of it. Ran a bunch of gap, like yeah. So maybe yeah, maybe it's different. I don't. Know, the Vikings, if they want to run gap, they're gonna have to get some linemen though. Like their linemen aren't great, and running gap, you need talented linemen. Like gap is the most linemen. I think linemen affected uh, play. Mm-hmm. Like zone, like that's when like the running back kind of make a decision. Like typically, like, yeah, in the middle, like zone is essentially when. Well, like you can run like a zone to the outside too, like between. I mean, like regardless, yeah, like everyone, like you can run like a zone, like, yeah. and you just pick a zone from where you're running. Um, and I don't know, like it, they don't really run a zone. I think they run a gap there. So we'll see how that goes. They need more talented linemen if they do that, though. They do. They do. And that's kind of what's limiting Kirk Cousins right now. Yeah. But, I mean, it sounds like Kevin O'Connell has every faith in the world going into it. So, we'll see how that goes. Like, I'm really, I'm intrigued to see if they if they stick to their word. I honestly think they, I think they traded him. If you think I, so? If I were them, I Cook? would. No, yeah. no, no. Cousins. Yeah, but he is, he's like a $45 million hit. Yeah, I would trade him. Dude, like, the Panthers allegedly were asking about him. I don't know. Like, I don't think the Panthers would pay him that much and they have Darnold. I think they would, dude. Money's not a thing. Like, we just talked about, you can move money a certain way. Yeah. Man, that's tough. Speaking of, um, if there is a player that you could buy low on right now in Dynasty, who would it be? Like, low overall, like, running backs, wide receivers. Yeah, like, probably at half their value. I don't know. I... I got one. Yeah, tell me yours, man, because, like, I'm not sure who's really at half their value right now. I feel like everyone that I want is honestly, like, towards, like, the up and up. Like, I I would have to, like, shell out a little bit. Like, I can't buy them, though. Yeah. What about you? Christian Kirk. I don't think you can buy him low right now in Dynasty. I think I think he's honestly the highest he's ever been. Like Really? Yeah, dude. Like if you look at his season, he's had the most productive season he's had. He just got out of a contract with the Cardinals, so he can go anywhere that he wants. So let's say like he goes somewhere like uh the Buffalo Bills, who he just might so happen to be on vacation with their quarterback, uh Mr. Josh Allen. Which could be a very realistic possibility. What about him being added as a, like a third wide receiver there? Tell me your thoughts on Kirk to the Bills. Do you see it happening? This brings me to a bunch of different hot takes I have about certain fantasy players. 
the first one is about Christian Kirk. I think that Christian Kirk is 25 years old. He's a burner. If you get him on the Bills, he's going to be a field stretcher with Josh Allen, who has one of the strongest arms in the league. Mm-hmm. My man's going to get some bomb tutties. He's going to get his intermediate routes, and he's going to get his targets. For sure. For sure. Let me ask you this, though. So, you look at Christian Kirk, and you look at everyone else that could potentially be on the Bills' uh, wide receiver roster there. You have Stephon Diggs. You have Gabriel Davis. Um, you have... Emmanuel Sanders, if he retires or not, is uncertain. But you really don't have anyone who's, like, really tall. Like, so I feel like something in me is kind of tugging away from that happening because you need someone who's a little taller, I feel like. Oh, I guess they also have uh, Cole Beasley, too. Don't forget (laughs) about Cole Beasley. Um, You know, they have him as well as a slot man. And... Christian Kirk rocks a slot. That's what he really does best, I feel like. Yeah, well, the thing about Christian Kirk is obviously he gives him that field stretching element. Um, he gives him the burner option, so you can't... I think that's Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs can. And, and like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Christian I think Kirk Christian is... Kirk's faster than Stefan Diggs. No doubt. Uh, let's look at the 40s, man. I truly don't believe that. What? I, I think that Stefan Diggs is a more talented burner than Christian Kirk. Offering. Bro, what? Before looking at their 40s, dude. Before looking at their 40s. Yeah, before looking at it. That's what I'm going to call. What does Christian Kirk have? Christian Kirk. Are you just going to eat it now? What, does he run uh, like a 4-8 or something? Are you pissed? Bro, you know you're wrong. What? Christian Kirk runs a four. He ran a four four six in the combine. Okay, no, look at Stephon Diggs. Sorry, folks. He also ran a four four six. Yeah, exactly. But who do you think is faster in real time? I would say Stephon Diggs. He's quicker. I don't think so. I personally do. I don't think so. We agree to disagree. I don't know, folks. I personally would take Stefan Diggs in a redraft or a dynasty over Christian Kirk. I love my boy Christian Kirk. Absolutely love him. Um, but I think Stefan Diggs is like, what, like 27 now? So I'm eating two years on that. Essentially. But, like, I don't know. I think he's just been more talented and more efficient throughout. So I would have to go with my boy. I think he's going to just continue to be a proficient wide receiver. Stephon Diggs is not faster than Christian Kirk. Bro, we just looked at the 40s. They were bro, the same. that was one time they ran the 40. All right, bro. I don't even think Christian Kirk is 4-4-6. I feel like that was a bad 40 for him. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. That's just the first thing that pops up, though. You know, let's bro. jump Let's jump off of this for a second, all right? I want to talk about a running back that I was just talking to about today about potentially making a trade for. Okay. Talk to me about Elijah Mitchell. What do you think is going to happen with that? My personal belief, I've never seen a 49ers running back be effective back-to-back years. Like, you look at Raheem Moster, like, he was a beast that one year. The year after, he was hurt. And then he just never played again. Yeah. And then, you know, like, now we look at all these rookies that they had just drafted. They have Trey Sermon. They have Elijah Mitchell. They have uh, Jermichael Hasty. You know, like they have just so many people in that backfield. I just don't see how I can trade. Like, so this person, for example, is asking for a first round pick. Like, I just can't eat that. No, they're trying to get him at maximum value. Yeah, and like, obviously, like I understand. Like, give the guy credit; he just had a terrific year. But man, like, there's no way that you could do that because there's just there's too many factors in the way. Like, he's not at the top of the charts in my eyes. Like, in my opinion, I think Trey Sermon's probably going to be the lead back next year. I think he had, like, a really bad camp or something. And I think if he dedicates himself. Well, they're going to um, run a, They're going to. Go ahead. Their offense is going to be different with Trey Lance. Yeah. Because you're literally talking about Jimmy G, who sits in the pocket, mm-hmm. whatever. And Trey Lance, who has the ability he's to be like probably. A shotgun, the, he's probably. Pistol. He could be the fastest person on the Niners any given play. Yeah. And I think Trey Sermon fits that better because if you look at what the uh, Buckeyes did in Ohio State, like they run a, more of that scheme. Like he wasn't like a That's downhill fair. runner. Yeah. Whereas you look at 
uh, Elijah Mitchell. I'm not sure what they de- did at uh, Louis- Louisiana Tech. Did he go? Yeah. I think yeah. he was at one of the Louisiana colleges, but I just I think he was more of like a downhill runner and he yeah. just fit the scheme better. So the thing about Elijah Mitchell is that you can't trade him just 1v1. No. You have to tandem him into a trade with like someone else. For sure. So, or what else? Would, so, like, if you're trying to get like a first rounder, you would have and to. And you're trying to package him with, or you're trying to package it with Elijah Mitchell. What do you think you'd have to trade for? To get a first rounder? Yeah. That's tough. You would probably have to give me Elijah Mitchell and. Like a late second, probably. You'd have to give me Elijah Mitchell and like. If I'm looking, if I'm Amon Ra, someone like that, like a prospect wide receiver, Amon Ra, yeah. Elijah Mitchell. If you want to get maybe a late first out of me, for sure. I'm not giving up a mid early. I got you on that for sure. No yeah, way. that sounds a little more reasonable. Yeah, you get two people of upside rather than just this one cat who. So like Elijah Mitchell and Amon Ra would probably be worth like the one ten, one nine. Yeah, maybe one eight. For sure, I could see that happening. You know, sticking in the same division, another guy who uh, I don't personally have in any of my, like, I, I only have our one Dynasty League, but I've had this guy in a few of my redrafts throughout, like, the last two years. I've been extremely high of high on him since the combine. Um, Rashad Pennyman. I mean, this guy, he finally showed out last year. I was so happy for him. I was so high on him last year. And he just kept breaking my heart, and it was just so sad. And so I, you know, I finally had to let it go. And then this year, I I tried to believe in him, had him for a second, dropped him, and then he finally showed off for us, man. At the end of the year, I don't know. I think he personally is going to keep riding this wave. But tell me your outlook on him. With uh, tell me your outlook with him with. Russell Wilson as quarterback as the Seahawks and tell me the outlook with him without Russell Wilson. Having Rashad Penny on your team is like having Cole Beasley on your team. You think so? It gets you by in the weeks that they're there. Like it's cool. It's nice. It's like, all right, but I got 13 points, but it's never anything crazy. It's never going to be over the top. I wouldn't even want him on my team to be honest. Wow. I'm, Absolutely no love for Rashad Penny, huh? Fuck no. Wow, I I don't know. I don't know, man. I absolutely love this kid coming out of San Diego State. He, I don't know, man. Like he just makes my heart warm personally. Like he, he's that one running back that I think I'm probably gonna have to like follow throughout his career, regardless of what happens. What do you like so much about Rashad Penny? I like how dynamic he is man like it just seems like he makes plays like i think he had like a pretty fast 40 i think he ran like a 436 or something so like i think he's just naturally quick um but like another thing is like it just he's it seems like he's like a shape shifter and it seems like he has a little bit of power behind him as well so it, he just seems like he can be like that every down back as long as like you're all right with someone getting hit a little bit which i think he's all right with taking some hits personally if you were in a startup draft for a dynasty team and you were in, let's say, round 15. So dynasty startup drafts are usually like 60 rounds or something crazy. Mm-hmm. If you're in like that round 12 to 15 sector, maybe even a little bit later, would you rather have Chris Carson out of the Seattle backfield or Jarvis Landry off the Browns? Well, don't even get me started on Jarvis Landry. But if we're talking Carson, Chris Carson, Chris Carson out of the backfield or Jarvis Landry on the Browns, I'm gonna go with Jarvis Landry on the Browns for sure. Okay. Um, I think that him and Baker, if Baker's even the quarterback there next year, I think they have a really good relationship, and I think that um, Jarvis has been able to show that he's the number one wide receiver, and so at least on that team, a number one wide receiver. Uh-huh. Um. So I don't know, man. Like I think, I think he just has it, and I think that's why he wants to get off that team. And let me just back up for a second. So I was off about the Rashad Penny forty. 
It's actually 447, so I do apologize. Oh. I had to go back and do... I, I don't want to spread any in, misinformation, but let me just say that that is an unofficial 40 from the Detroit Lions. Oh. Um, DetroitLions.com. Yeah. Wait, what makes it unofficial? I don't know, but they said it was uh, Rashad Penny runs an unofficial 447-40. So, I don't know. That's from the DetroitLions.com. They have a video 447. But I uh, I still love the kid, regardless. I think he's a great back. And I think that if you can get him in Dynasty, do it. Absolutely do it. I absolutely would commend do it. it. Do it. Do it. Nike. Do it. For real, though. Um, I don't know, man. I'm high on the kid. And, um, I thought you were going to say him. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know. And back to like Jarvis Landry. Chris Carson, definitely Jarvis Landry, but I don't think he's on the Browns next year. No um, way. He can't be. Where do you think he goes? Dude, I think Gary on Conley's going to end up on the Browns first off. Who? Gary on, or I'm sorry, yeah, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson? I was thinking of a DB. Yeah. Uh, Garrett Wilson. Scratch yeah. that. But I think he's going to end up on the Browns as like the, you know, the top guy there. So walk me through this if you're an NFL GM. I know you, you hardly ever have to sit in that seat. But let's no, picture no, it. No. I know it's happened a time or two, but let's picture oh, yeah, it right yeah, now. Yeah. How yeah. much would you, what would you trade to acquire someone like Jarvis Landry? Like, obviously you just give up draft capital. Like a fourth or a fifth. You do that? Yeah. Do you think like, so, like, where, where do you think he would go then? Because like, obviously like anyone would give up like a fourth or well, a fifth to get him. I think he has a great reputation within the league. He's mm-hmm. a veteran. He's productive. Do you think he goes back home to, um, like Miami, potentially. I could see him also like on the Chargers, who just lost Mike Williams. Fair. Yeah, I could see that working out. They have a lot of cap down there in uh, in Chargerland too. Him on the Bills with Josh Allen. Crazy dude, that could be another hit. That could be cool for sure. There's a couple different options. He'll fit in anywhere he goes. Mm-hmm. There's always a spot. Shit, him with the Packers. I would love that. I don't think they have the cap for it, but like we've Probably said, not. I don't think cap's irrelevant. Or Unless you trade some people. That's fair. Make some trades. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, you clear up some cap that way. Yeah, and I mean, the Browns and the Packers have a long trade history too, so I can yeah. see that happening. Yeah, so if you're a Jarvis Landry holder, you're going to be good no matter where he goes. He'll find a way into that offense. Mm-hmm. He's a great pass blocker too. For sure. So he's always going to be on the field. All right, one last hot take before we get out of here, Jeff. Okay. So obviously we're a couple weeks out before the combine even. Yep. But do you think Russell Wilson is on the Seahawks next season? Yes. Yes. Can you explain to me why that you think that's going to happen? I think that all we have to go off of is like sparse speculation. Sure. Yeah. It's stories that come out once every four months. It's not even that big of a story, but it's like. Russell Wilson would still like this. Russell Wilson would still like that. Yep. But I don't think it's to the point to where Rodgers and the Packers are to where it's like explosive. I think that they can still maintain a work relationship, maintain their relevance, you know, in the NFC, NFC West. And I think that it's just too much drama and it's too much to trade them because if you trade them, does Pete Carroll leave too? I honestly, if they if Russ leaves. I, I don't think Pete Carroll wants to do a rebuild, so I think he's probably gone yeah. too. Yeah, so you're talking about losing your franchise quarterback and your franchise coach. You're yeah. losing your whole identity. Um, now you're like Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Until yeah. you get another quarterback. That, Not necessarily, because at least you have Rashad Penny in the backfield. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> Rashad Penny is like the carry-on Johnson of the Seahawks. No like, way. Yeah, he's carrying on Johnson. Is I don't see that happening. I think he's going to be much more effective than what Kerryon Johnson was. That's sick. But, nah, man. Um, if you're asking me, I think Russ is going to be on the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. I think Rodgers is more than likely going to be on the Packers. But, you know, yeah. Yeah. potentially. I know they brought on his guy who was the quarterback coach. Yep. And that was apparently to make Rodgers happy, but Definitely. I think I also heard some good things that Brian Gutenkus said during the press conference today, mm-hmm. in which, you know, that Tom is his name, but yep. 
Tom Clemens. Tom Clemens. He would be good with any quarterback. And who's to say that he's not there for Jordan Love to do the job that he did with Aaron? Who's, who's to say, say, like, he's not their QB guru? Absolutely, man. I mean, that definitely could be it. I mean, a lot of people are saying who would come out of retirement to, uh, to coach someone like Jordan Love. Mm-hmm. But, you know what, if he sees enough potential. But I think a lot of people are thinking he's there to coach Rodgers. Jordan Love isn't – he's not getting traded either, so – that I, I, I have I have other opinions on that personally. I think if if Rogers comes back, I I think he's out. Oh, I truly do, sir. Oh, you think so? Yeah. Hey, well, kick us with a hot ass beat, Audi. Let's bit. All right, that was another episode. Episode four. Check us out. Follow us on YouTube. Listen to us on Spotify and SoundCloud. Appreciate you guys. Hey. My name's Ja. I'm Dugo. As always, appreciate you. We got some J. Cole for you on the way out of here. Thank you. Happy fishing. No doubt. You see these niggas tripping. Ego in charge of every move. He's a star.